So I'm on Instagram and I see this post that basically says that divorce is not damaging for the children, which is actually quite a popular belief. And so I felt the need to, to speak up, to say something. And this was posted by someone who calls himself basically a divorce coach, someone who, who helps people who are going through a divorce kind of get through it. They coach them, they, they mentor them. And I'm not going to say the name of the account because I want to protect their privacy, but they have 4,000 followers. And so they're reaching a lot of people. And so I felt the need to speak up. So before I let you know what I said, I want to tell you what they said. They said, we need to bust the myth that kids are damaged by divorce. It's just not true. And it's also kind of harmful to the kids who come from divorced homes. I know it seems hard to imagine tearing your kid's world apart, but I promise you, kids of divorce are not less or lacking in any way. I know because my kid is one and she's awesome, honest. And so I commented and in my comment, I tried to be very diplomatic and kind, uh, you know, sharing the truth with love. And here's what I said. I said, totally respect your opinion. And I agree that children can thrive if parents love them through it. That's huge. Glad you're bringing attention to that. Without judging your situation at all, I have to say that my parents' divorce damaged me. And I work with young people who say the same all the time, but they're afraid to speak up because they care about their parents and don't want to hurt them, their words. I know that was my experience too. I love my parents and never want to hurt them. Turning to science, the research shows the issue is more nuanced. There are absolutely cases where separation and even divorce are necessary. Abuse, violence, threat of death, etc. But statistically, the majority of divorces are not like that. And to say divorce is not damaging to children flies in the face of the scientific evidence we've seen and the stories we've heard. Check out research from Paul Amato from Penn State and Dr. Judith Wallerstein from UC Berkeley. I say this not to judge or shame parents who've been divorced, but to bring attention to a huge group of people that have been insanely neglected. You can't heal a patient until you first understand the wound. Are kids screwed? No. Coping, healing, and even thriving are absolutely possible. In fact, parents play a huge role in helping us heal and feel loved, so it's important they understand us, which is the purpose of this comment. Thanks for hearing me out, trying to give people like me a voice, increase understanding, and build stronger relationships between children and parents. Wish you all the best. And so protecting the identity of the person who, who posted that, uh, I shared that on Restored's Instagram story, and a friend of mine uh, and I had a little bit of a discussion about it. She said that her parents' marriage was just so toxic and such an extreme situation that the marriage itself, not just the divorce, was damaging to her, which I totally agree with. And uh, I know her family's story. It was just such a horrible, bad, high-conflict situation. And so I made this clarification in our Instagram story. I said, uh, P.S., thanks to a wise friend who made an excellent point that led to the clarification below. The divorce is not a random, isolated event that came out of nowhere and went off like an atom bomb. It's typically the final blow in a long chain of events that have been building up for years. I know that was true in my parents' case. Another way to put it, the divorce itself is certainly traumatic, especially when it comes out of the blue in low-conflict marriages. In fact, the research suggests that's when the divorce itself is most traumatic. But in cases of high-conflict marriages where there's abuse, violence, unrepented uh, infidelity, etc., what's usually most traumatic is everything that led up to it. 
In that case, the separation or divorce is a necessary evil. Now, the ideal is to heal the marriage, fix the reasons for the divorce or the separation, reunite the spouses, bring the family, the children back together. But often people don't change, and that's not possible, sadly. Like the amputation of an arm, divorce is never a good thing in itself, but sometimes a necessary thing because it's the better of two bad options. And so if you've heard me talk about this before, uh, you, you know our stance on this. Uh, I will talk about it a little bit more in this episode, but I just want to clarify that, you know, sometimes it isn't necessary for parents to separate. Sometimes that's the path to healing the marriage. Uh, in extreme cases, it's even necessary for them to get a divorce. But typically, uh, most marriages can work through it. And as a culture, we're encouraging people to get divorced uh, basically as the first solution to problems in marriage. And I know there's situations, again, where things are just really horrible. There's abuse, there's violence, there's things like that, where the spouses and the children need to get away. And we're not talking about those situations. But in cases where uh, the parents, the spouses could work it out, but but they choose not to. Or, or maybe one chooses not to when the other one does want to. So, again, we'll be creating more content around this. You've heard me talk about it before, and I'll talk about it a little bit more in this episode. But just wanted to clarify that. So, that Instagram post made me think that, man, there's so much misunderstanding uh, around this issue. So, we wanted to dive into some of the research, some of the scientific research on the impact that divorce has on the children. And so in this episode, we're going to break down just a single study that actually summarizes the findings of 67 different studies on children of divorce. And so by listening to this episode, you're going to get a quick review of that study. You're not going to have to buy it. You're not going to have to read it. Uh, We'll save you guys time. We'll just give you the highlights of the study. And we'll make it simple to understand because honestly, reading these uh, psychological studies, reading this research can be kind of uh, time consuming and confusing at times, but uh, we're going to make it easy to understand. We're going to put it into plain English as much as possible. We'll also give you some statistics that you can use in conversation, some talking points uh, that you can share with people who maybe aren't aware uh, of the impact that divorce has on the children. And just a huge benefit to to everyone listening. And really the reason why we wanted to do this is that we want to make people aware Children of divorce as a whole have been hugely neglected. They've dealt with the negative effects of their parents' divorce, separation, often alone, often in silence. And so the first part of the solution, there's a lot that needs to be done, but the first part of the solution is awareness, both for them and the world at large. And so that's what this episode is about. So keep listening. Welcome to the Restored Podcast, helping you heal and grow from the trauma of your parents' divorce or separation so you can feel whole again. I'm your host, Joey Panarelli. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 33. And before we get into the main content, I just want to give a quick shout out to someone who left a review on Apple Podcasts for the show. Uh, They didn't put their name, it's just anonymous. And they said this, they said, been looking for a podcast like this. Finally found one that has helped me more than you'll ever know. Thank you. I love that. Thank you so much for whoever you are, Anonymous, for leaving that comment. Thank you for listening to the show. I'm so glad that it's been helpful. Restored exists for you. Restored exists for you. It has since the beginning and it always will. And everything we do, we want to help you cope. We want to help you heal. We want to help you grow from the trauma that you've been through 
in your family. So you can just live life to the fullest, so you can thrive, that you can feel whole again. And so thank you so much for listening. Thank you for leaving、uh, that review so that we know how we're doing. And I wanted to ask you, would you leave us a review as well if you listen on Apple Podcasts? It's really、uh, easy to do. And some of the benefits, one, it helps us know how we're doing. To serve you guys. But it also gives us more visibility on Apple Podcasts so we can reach more people, so we can help more young people. And like I said, it's really easy to do. It's just three steps. So open up the Apple Podcasts app and just find the Restored Podcast. The, the full name of the podcast is Restored Helping Children of Divorce. And you may already be、uh, in Apple Podcasts now. So obviously, really easy to find. And then just scroll down to Ratings and Reviews. Now, In that section, there's two ways to rate the show. One is through a star rating where you just tap to rate, you click on、uh, the stars. The, the second type is click to write a review. So that's what really helps us when people write an actual review, not just do the star ratings. So that doesn't need to be long. It really can take 60 to 90 seconds to do this,、uh, but we'd really, really appreciate the, the feedback. We appreciate to know how we're doing to serve you. And if you need like a, a question to respond to in your review,、uh, you can answer this How has this show helped you? How has this show helped you? And so we really appreciate it. Please leave a review for us today. All right, now let's dive into this study. So, the name of this study is called Children of Divorce in the 1990s an update of the Amato Keith 1991 meta analysis. Now, if you're not familiar with a meta analysis study, basically it means when researchers, instead of conducting their own studies, their own research on participants, they just summarize the findings of other studies that have already been conducted. So, it's kind of like a summary. Study bringing everything together. And in this particular study, Paul Amato looked at 67 studies from the 1990s about children of divorce. And what they did basically was they compared two groups. The first group was children with continuously married parents. The parents have never been divorced. The second group was children with divorced parents. And what they found, just to give you a little preview, is that children with divorced parents continue to score significantly lower. On measures in five areas. One, academic achievement. Two, conduct. Three, psychological adjustment. Four, self concept. Five, social relations. And I'm going to get into each of those. I'll explain what they mean, what they were measuring, and so on in the show. Now, this study was published in the Journal of Family Psychology in 2001. And it was published by Professor Paul Amato from Penn State University. He's a sociologist, a professor, and a researcher. And, fun fact, actually, my wife went to Penn State University. So he,、uh, I believe he's still teaching there, he's still researching there. And he's really an authority on the research about children of divorce. He's an authority on this topic. And、uh, he's well respected. In the academic world. In fact, one of his、uh, studies has been quoted more than 250 times in scientific papers, specifically a study about children of divorce. So, diving into the, the research, the first thing he starts with is he says, Why should we be studying this in the first place? And he says that interest in the effects of divorce on children remains strong among researchers, practitioners, policymakers, 
and the general public. And by practitioners, he basically means counselors, therapists, people who help children from broken homes. Now, why so much interest? Basically because of the high divorce rate. According to another study published in 2000, the divorce rate for first marriages that started in the 1990s was 40 to 50%. It's really difficult, by the way, to, to get a precise measurement of the divorce rate, but 40 to 50% is what they said. So basically one out of every two marriages ended in divorce that started in the 1990s. It's obviously insane and really sad. Another reason to, to study this topic is just the sheer number, the gigantic number of children that have been affected. Get this, during the 1990s, over 1 million US children went through their parents' divorce every year. Every year in the 1990s, over a million children went through their parents' divorce, and that's according to the U.S. census data. Now, if you add that up, in the 90s alone, that's 10 million children. Again, that's just in the U.S., just in the 1990s. To put that all into context and really understand the magnitude of it, imagine that all those children were placed in a country by themselves. The population of that country would be the same size as Sweden, Portugal, and the Dominican Republic. They all have about 10 million people, according to, to recent data. That country, with all the children of divorce from the 1990s, would actually be larger than Austria, Switzerland, and Israel. All those countries have about 8 to 9 million people. And that country, with children of divorce, would be double the size of Singapore, Denmark, Norway, Costa Rica, and Ireland. Each of those countries has about 5 million people. Another way to understand it for you Americans listening, uh, if all those children were placed within a state by themselves with no one else, the population would match Georgia uh, or North Carolina. And that state would be twice the size of Colorado and Minnesota. And again, that's only in the US. That doesn't factor in Europe, Asia, uh, India, Africa, Australia, anywhere else in the world. It's just the US. And that's only from 1990 to 1999, not before, not after. And so if we factor all those other children in, we're talking tens of millions to hundreds of millions of children who've been through their parents' divorce. Isn't that crazy? There's just so many of us out there. Now, what they set out to do with this study was actually to update a previous study that was published in 1991, a meta-analysis from 1991, uh, with a focus on the studies that were published in the 1990s. So basically they were saying, uh, we want to look at the studies that were published in the 1990s to see how children of divorce were affected by their parents' divorce, and they wanted to compare it to uh, research that they had done on decades in the past. Now, one thing I wanted to say going into this is that uh, these studies are looking at averages typically, especially these quantitative studies where they're more based on numbers. They don't go as much into detail about what happened or why it happened. And so uh, averages are helpful. They give a good general understanding of a topic, but they're definitely limited, right? It doesn't factor in the outliers, people who maybe are doing better or doing much worse than the average. It really just shows that you know, if someone goes through their parents' divorce, this is typically what happens, but it obviously doesn't show the individual experience of each child. It just, again, shows what's most likely to happen. And there certainly is a lot of variation between uh, people who come from broken homes. Some people do much better, some people do much worse, but on average, that's what this study is looking at. Now, now, setting out, they thought that there's a few possibilities. One possibility they said was maybe we'll see a decline in the negative effects as compared to previous years, previous decades. And one of the supporting ideas for this was that, uh, and I quote, as marital disillusion has become more common, people's attitudes toward divorce 
have become more accepting. Consequently, children with divorced parents may feel less stigmatized than in earlier decades. Moreover, therapeutic interventions for children of divorce have become common during the last two decades. And by interventions, they mean school programs,、um, parental courses、uh, that were widely available, sometimes even required in certain states and counties. However, it's really not clear, and they even say this in the study, if those programs directly benefit the children.、Uh, but they said that the parents do view them favorably. Legally, also, there was more mediation that occurred, less trial where there you know, was intense arguments between the parents and fighting for children and rights and property and things like that. Mediation、uh, became much more common,、uh, they say, which typically results in better compliance, they say, by parents with agreements, more parental satisfaction, and less conflict and more cooperating in co parenting following the separation. And so they, they basically say that all of that may have lowered the amount of stress that children experienced following their parents' separation. And if that's true, again, this is just one of the possibilities that they entertain, then the gap in well being between children with divorced and continually married parents is likely to have declined during the last decade. So basically, they're saying it should be similar kids with divorced and continually married parents、uh, should be. Pretty much the same, if that were the case. Another possibility that they entertained is that maybe things got worse for children of divorce. Maybe the negative effects、uh, were actually worse and it put a further gap between them and kids who came from intact homes. Professor Amato said recent longitudinal research indicates that the effects of divorce on children vary with the level of discord between parents prior. To marital disruption. Before I go on, I just want to explain what longitudinal research means. It's basically a, a study design that involves repeated observations of the same people over some period of time, either short or long. So instead of sampling and picking different people, they follow essentially the same people over some period of time. Professor Mato goes on, he says, on one hand, when marital conflict is overt, intense, chronic, and unresolved, Children appear to be better off in the long run if the marriage ends than if parents remain together. So basically, if things are really, really bad at home, like there's abuse, there's violence, there's a threat of death, like all that really, really bad stuff, then the children are going to be better if the parents aren't together anymore, or of course, resolve that situation. He goes on. On the other hand, when parents engage in relatively little overt conflict, children appear to be worse off. Following the divorce. So, this is a really, really important point that when divorce comes kind of out of the blue or things seem fine to the kids and there's a divorce, it's actually, it can be more damaging. We're going to get into what the research says about it. And that was definitely the case with my parents' marriage. There were some real problems there and they had been there for years. But to us kids, they just didn't seem like a big deal.、Uh, we, we didn't have a lot of insight into the issues and Really didn't seem like there were many problems in my parents' marriage. Now, again, they were hidden and they were there, but eventually it just exploded and, and they just separated. And there's this big dramatic thing that happened that really left a mark on me and my siblings. And so、uh, I can say that, especially with the people we've worked with through Restored, that, that this is absolutely true. They go on under these circumstances, children are likely to view parental separation as an unexpected 
an inexplicable event that sets into motion a series of stressful transitions, such as you know decline in household income. They they quote a few other things like losing contact with one parent or maybe moving to a new neighborhood. Uh, tons of other examples too, but those are just some that they mention with few or no compensating advantages. Basically. There's a lot of bad things that happen, and just not a lot of good things that happen in those cases where、uh, there's not much conflict, where it's a low conflict situation, even if there are real problems within the marriage. They they also explain how in the past divorce was more difficult and expensive. So if you wanted to get divorced, you had to go through this maybe lengthy process, and it was really expensive and just difficult. Not that it's not expensive now, trust me, it is very expensive. But but you needed to prove that there was a legit reason. To get divorced, and, and most people, as a culture, we we just didn't believe in divorce, right? People got divorced, of course, but it wasn't as widespread, it wasn't as accepted, it wasn't as supported as it is today. And so, the result in in that environment, not saying it was a perfect environment, but but in that environment, only the most troubled and the most dysfunctional marriages were likely to to end in divorce. But but again, that's changed. It's very different today. And Professor Mato says to the extent. That it removed children from a hostile home environment, many of these divorces would have benefited children in the long run. But with the introduction of no-fault divorce, I'll explain what that means in a second. The softening of public attitudes toward divorce and the dramatic growth in the number of divorcing couples, it is likely that the threshold of marital unhappiness necessary to trigger a divorce has declined. Okay, so there's a lot there, but when it comes to no-fault divorce, a no-fault divorce is basically a type of divorce where one spouse can file for divorce or both, but they don't have to prove any wrongdoing or any fault on the part of the other spouse. They could just file a divorce for any reason that they want, and they can get a divorce. And the most common reason that couples file for divorce, by the way, is irreconcilable differences or. Uh, also, irreparable breakdown of the marriage, and by its very nature, a spouse can't fight against that. A spouse can't say a spouse maybe who wants to fight for their marriage, they want to work things out, work on the marriage.、Uh, they they can't. So basically, it's a trump card. If you say that you want to get a divorce, there's really nothing that your spouse can do to to defend against it. And so, an example, of course, is maybe a husband who you know isn't getting along with his wife. They're having some issues. And let's say that the wife wants to work through it; she wants to fight for the marriage. But maybe that the husband has another woman, and he wants to run off with her. He can file for a divorce, and the wife can't do anything about it. That's no fault divorce. And of course, there's a big debate between you know no fault divorce and、uh, divorce where you have to prove some sort of wrongdoing. But as a whole, today, no fault divorce is the standard. Based on that fact. That would mean that、uh, an increasing number of divorces are preceded by a modest rather than a severe level of discord. That the, the study says. Indeed, longitudinal evidence indicates that a majority of recent divorces are not preceded by an extended period of overt and intense marital conflict. And so, what they're saying there basically is that these issues. Could be worked out by the spouses. It's not so toxic. It's not so horrible in the marriage where it couldn't be worked out. It may be really difficult, maybe really painful, maybe really really hard. We're not making light of that at all.、Um, but in these cases, it's not the the dramatic situation that a lot of people、uh, reference when they're talking about divorce. The the study goes on. Some observers have argued that people often terminate their marriages these days for reasons that have more to do with personal growth. 
than escaping a destructive marriage. And again, I just want to be very clear to everyone listening. Those intense, those horrible, abusive marriages still exist. They're out there. And I know people, you know, who have been through that or, or maybe their parent is really abusive. And, and my heart just breaks for spouses in those situations. It breaks for the children in those situations. And we've always taken the stance at Restored that in those cases, the spouse and the children need to get to safety. Like, like they absolutely should separate in those situations from the spouse who's causing all the trouble. Uh, the safety of the spouse and the children are very, very important. But like I said before, the goal is to heal the marriage. It's to fix the reason for the separation and bring the family back together. And again, we're not naive. We know that in a lot of cases that's not possible, but man, it is surely not happening today. It's not happening as much as it could or should where you know we bring the spouses and the family back together. And when we talk about marriage, those of you who are religious, of course, you, you have more of a, a deeper understanding of marriage being a lifelong commitment. And that's what we believe at Restored, that, that marriage is much deeper than some legal contract, that the vows that the spouses make to each other at the wedding uh, go much deeper than any contract, than, than any legal document. Another way to say it is, by its nature, the marriage vows cannot be contained within a piece of paper. And unless there's a reason that the marriage wasn't valid at the point where the vows were made, the vows were made for life. Now, I know marriage vows at weddings have changed over the years, but the, the, the traditional marriage vows, the, the real marriage vows, uh, promise faithfulness for life. It was very explicit in the marriage vows. And a big reason for that, there's a lot to talk about there, and we're going to do more episodes on this. We'll be producing more content on this topic. But a reason for that, a huge reason for that, was because that's what was best for the children. It wasn't just some you know religious idea. It wasn't just some thing that uh, society wanted. It was that when the parents are married, when the family is united, the kids do better in life. And again, we'll be talking about this more in the future. I don't mean to skip over this. This is a really important topic, but it's something that, that needed to be said. So Professor Amato goes on and says, consequently, the type of disruptions that children find especially distressing may represent an increasing proportion of all divorces. Again, those divorces where the spouses could get through it, they could work it out. It's not so dramatic and abusive that they can't, but they don't. They choose not to. And so they basically conclude that based on that reasoning, children whose parents are getting divorced for reasons aside from the violence and abuse are the ones who are suffering even more. Now, it doesn't mean that the other children aren't suffering. The divorce can still have a negative effect on them. But when you compare it to the situation that they're living in today, maybe they're being abused or there's violence, things like that, or maybe they even at the threat of death. In those situations, of course, it's better for the child to be out of that scenario. But even in those cases, it's, again, it's still a tragedy. It's always a tragedy. It's always something that's really difficult to go through. Like I mentioned at the start of the show, it's like an amputation, right? We never say that an amputation of a limb, of an arm, of a leg is a good thing in itself, but it's sometimes unavoidable. You know, maybe we need to save the life of the person because they're bleeding out or whatever issue. We have to take the arm. We have to take off the leg. And I know, (laughs) bloody example, but um, you got the idea. And so divorce, I would say, is the same. We never call it good in itself, but in some cases it may be unavoidable. And again, the, the status of the marriage, the vows that the spouse has made, they're a separate topic altogether, which we've talked about in the show 
um, but what we'll touch on again in the future. Now, another possibility that they looked at for any changes in the gap between children of divorce and children of, from intact families is that the gap between those children could actually be getting bigger because it's so good for children who live in an intact family to, to have two parents, even for economic reasons. And, and they go on to explain this. They said, during the 1990s, the U.S. economy expanded. Unemployment went down. The percentage of wives and mothers in the workforce and the labor force increased and wages rose, especially for women. The benefits of economic growth, however, were not distributed equally among families. The family group that experienced the largest rise in income during the 1990s consisted of married couples with both spouses in the paid labor force. In contrast, single parent families experienced a deterioration in economic resources during the 1990s. And so th there's a lot there, but just to say that, of course, divorce is financially so damaging to, to a family because, of course, mom and dad are going separate ways. Maybe, uh, you know, mom was working and dad wasn't, or dad was working and mom wasn't. And so now mom needs to figure out what she's going to do, or dad needs to figure out what he's going to do. And, you know, living expenses just double. And so there's all sorts of bad things that happen. You know that it's obvious. Um, but basically, what they're saying in this case is family income. It's a big predictor of other healthy outcomes in children's lives. And so it's possible that the children whose parents were continually married may have advanced uh, more, creating a bigger gap between them and the children of divorce. And so one thing they said is it's possible that the children with married parents went forward, not necessarily that the children of divorce went backwards, but because the children with married parents went forward, that the gap is bigger. And so just to summarize all of that, they basically said that observable differences uh, may have shifted during the 1990s on various metrics due to a few different things. I mentioned some of them. They said, one, studies could have become more sophisticated in detecting the differences between the children of divorce and the children from intact families. Uh, like I mentioned, divorce uh, became more acceptable. They, they mentioned that more therapeutic and legal interventions, more help for families became available. Uh, though, personally, I question you know, whether those things that they came up with were actually helpful to the children um, based on you know, the number of people that we worked with at Restored who, who've been through a lot of that, who are still very much so affected. Next, the, the decline in the level of marital discord that precedes the separation, and then the growing economic equality that I just mentioned between children with married parents and children with separated parents. Now, an important note here is they're focused on the observable differences, especially looking at it through like a quantitative lens. And what I mean by that is if they could put numbers to it. And the, the truth is, and that's one of the limitations of these studies, is that not all of the differences, not all the negative effects on the children can be observed, especially when they're younger. And so if you read the study, uh, you'll get an idea of the limitation of these types of study, and they really don't get into all the details like I mentioned before. Now, based on the people that we've worked with through Restored, the research that we've read, uh, we've learned that people who come from broken homes, children of divorce, often they don't say much or express how their parents' broken marriage or the divorce has affected them. They just kind of keep it to themselves for a lot of reasons. But a few of them, one, they just don't want to rock the boat. There's been so much drama already. They don't want to cause more issues. And so they just keep their mouth shut. They don't want to hurt their parents too. Because saying that, hey, mom, dad, you know, the, the problems in your marriage, that the divorce that you just got 
it really affected me. That can be really hard to say to your mom or to your dad. And so a lot of times we just keep our mouths shut. It's also difficult to talk about. It's painful to talk about. And so、uh, it's very possible that we just hold it in and don't talk about it, even when people try to encourage us to talk about it. And then also, it can just become so normal, right? Because life is this way now. And so it, we may not really know anything else. That this is just the life that we've dealt with for the last so many years. And so this is just normal. So, a lot of different reasons why children of divorce don't talk. And so,、uh, I would guess that some of those、um, observable differences were limited because of that reason, because children of divorce maybe weren't willing to talk about it. And I should say, too, that when they were looking at the differences between the two groups, they wanted to see if gender、uh, or age played any role. And I'll get into that in a second. Okay, so the studies that they looked at, I mentioned there were 67 different studies, and there were two criteria. Uh, that the studies had to meet in order to be included. One, it had to include a sample of children who were living with a parent who was single because of divorce, right? It's not because of a spouse died or something like that. And, and to my knowledge, it doesn't include situations where、uh, the, the couple, the parents were living together, but they weren't legally married. And so that opens a, another can of worms in a huge group of people. But in this case, they're not studying them.、Uh, the, the second group, of course, is children living with continually married parents. The, the second criteria was that、uh, the studies had to report data on at least one child outcome、uh, that can be basically measured in one of those five areas that I mentioned and show some sort of a gap or a lack thereof. Now, you may be wondering what ages did this study focus on? Basically, they focused on preschool to college age. And so, adult children of divorce. Were not accounted in this. However, they did, like I mentioned, include college students. And so basically, college students and younger, and they broke them into five areas. The first area, preschool. Second, primary school or, or grade school or elementary school, as we call it in the States. Third, secondary school or high school, as we call it here. And then another group, another level they broke into was mixed between primary and secondary schools. There were some studies that, that looked at both of them together. And then, of course, like I mentioned, college students. So those are the five areas. Now, a really, really important note here from the research of Dr. Judith Wallerstein. She was at the University of California, Berkeley. She studied children of divorce for years and years and years. And she, she published her findings of a 25 year long study. And the name of it is called The Unexpected. Legacy of Divorce. Some of you may have heard of it or even read it. And what she says in that book is that、uh, the biggest effects, the biggest negative effects from our parents' divorce actually aren't experienced until adulthood. Perhaps in college, right? Because college students are adults, but, but even further on in 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on. And so if you keep that in mind, when we're looking at this research, even if there are negative effects in the children's lives, It may have not all come to fruition yet. Like there may be more waiting to come to the surface than did when they were younger. So, like I mentioned, the researchers focused on five different areas. The first one was academic achievement. And the way that they measured that was through standardized tests, grades,、uh, ratings from teachers or parents about school achievement. And then also they looked at kids dropping out of high school. So, that's academic achievement. The second area was conduct. And conduct basically means their behavior, the child's behavior, their aggression, their delinquency, they say. And so, you know, did the kid get in trouble? And on and on. And so, that second area again is conduct. The third area, third category is psychological 
and emotional adjustment. And what they're looking at here is depression, anxiety, and then just the general happiness of the child. So that's psychological and emotional adjustment number three. Number four, self concept. And what they mean by this is basically self esteem, how the kid sees themselves, and then also confidence, how confident are they? And so that's number four, that's self concept. And lastly, five, social relations. So they're looking at things like popularity, cooperativeness, like do they get along with other kids, and also the quality of their friendships, the, the peer relationships. And so that's number five, social relations. Now, an interesting thing in past studies that this professor had done, Professor Motto, he also looked at the parent child relationship, the relationship between the mom and the child or the dad and the child.、Um, but for this study, they excluded that. For some reason, it's not clear why they did, but they, they took that out. And one important thing to note that they state in the study is that all their findings, all their statistics went through rigorous testing. So they have a very high degree of reliability on these results. And so, getting into those results, I first need to say that, that the researchers gave the least amount of attention to children who were in preschool. So, typically, preschool is like two years old to, to four or five years old. And so, they barely gave them attention. There was an increase of focus. On college students,、uh, but most of all, they said that the focus in these studies was on children in primary school. And also, just to make this statistically accurate, they, they controlled for pre divorce factors, they call it,、uh, that the children were already experiencing. So basically, they wanted to know how the divorce affected the kids. Like, what was the direct impact the divorce itself? Had on the children. So, so that's a huge footnote. So, for example, if the kid was acting out, he was really angry, aggressive、uh, before the divorce, and then after the divorce, he, he was still aggressive, then they wouldn't have factored that into the, the study as an effect of divorce. They would have just said the kid was that way. Maybe you know, it was due to the disruption at home, but it wasn't due to the divorce itself and the subsequent effects of the divorce. Okay, so of those 67 studies, they were able to make 100. In 77 separate comparisons, because some of the studies looked at different things and they, they measured different results. And so, what they found was that 88%, almost 90% of those comparisons were negative. Basically, the children of divorce、um, were measured worse off. And 42% of those were negative and significant, meaning they were statistically different enough to say this is significant. And so basically, that confirmed that there's still a gap between children of divorce and children with continuously married parents in areas of achievement, adjustment, and well being. That's, that's how they say it. Now, Professor Amato admits that, that he could have missed、uh, certain studies. He, he may have failed to locate some studies that were published in the 1990s on children of divorce. He did also purposely. Not include studies that weren't published. And so, to, to kind of statistically account for that, they added what's called a fail safe variable. And what that means in plain English is basically that they looked at how many studies that they could have possibly missed、uh, would be needed in order to show that divorce did not have a negative impact on the children. So, basically, they needed to, this many studies to override the, the results that found that. Divorce is not good for the children. And, and what they found is that there would need to be an additional 1,745 studies of academic achievement,、um, basically all with results that show that 
divorce does not negatively impact the children when it comes to academic achievement and, and some of the other metrics. And so the, the conclusion then is, in the larger population from which these samples were drawn, they say children with divorced parents scored lower than children with continuously married parents. Like I mentioned, they looked at the role that gender played in this as well, and they said, do boys or girls experience more negative effects than the other? But what they found was the central finding, they said, therefore, is that the divorce is associated with a range of poor outcomes among children, irrespective of gender. So basically, boys and girls were affected basically the same. Now, when it comes to age, they looked at this as well. And again, they focus on two categories in this regard when they were looking at the, how age played as a factor, whether children were negatively affected or, or not. And so they looked at primary school and secondary school. So, and part of the reason for that was when it came to preschool, there were actually f- too few samples to look at. And then when it came between a mix between primary and secondary schools, those studies that looked at both at the same time, it was actually too difficult to interpret the, the data on that variable, the, the variable of age. So basically what they found is that the younger kids, the kids in primary school struggled more than the kids in high school or in secondary school. Now, on the flip side, they found when it came to psychological adjustment, like I mentioned, anxiety, depression, things like that, that the, it was actually weaker. So, so kids who were younger in primary school, for example, uh, were less likely to deal with that than kids who were in secondary school. So basically, in plain English, as they got older, when it came to psychological adjustment, things got worse. They go on, the explanation for this apparent discrepancy is not clear. One possibility is that it is easier to measure psychological adjustment among adolescents than younger children. However, adolescents with serious academic problems, unlike younger children, may drop out of school, leading to what they call weaker effect sizes, meaning leading to a less of a gap when it comes to academic achievement between people who come from broken homes and people who come from uh, intact families. So so basically what, what they're saying is that it's harder to measure psychological adjustment in younger kids. It's easier to do that in older kids. When it comes to academics, though, there, there could be a bigger pool to look at when the kids are younger because they don't really have a choice whether they stay in school or not. But when it comes to the older kids, they actually have a choice. They can drop out of school. And if they do, then we wouldn't be measuring them and comparing them uh, with people who come from intact families. They basically tie it up by saying it's difficult to interpret these results uh, because the data reflect children's ages at the time of data collection rather than children's ages at the time of parental separation. And that's just a huge flaw, I think, in, in all these studies, is that in most of the studies, they didn't collect the age of the children when the parents actually separated. They just collected the date, either when they um, studied the children or when the study was published. And so the researchers naturally didn't know if the divorce had happened maybe really recently for high school students or if uh, the divorce had happened years prior, but the long-term effects were starting to come out. They were starting to accumulate. And so what they determined for the most part, age didn't really matter, that the negative effects were present in in every age group, uh, though they may have come out in different ways. So back to the original point where they were looking to compare the children of divorce in the 1990s with earlier decades, like the 80s, the 70s, and so on. And what they concluded was that the data suggests the gap in psychological and emotional adjustment between children with divorce and continuously married parents was wider in the 1990s than at any earlier time. 
And so basically they say children of divorce from the 1990s, their parents got divorced in the 1990s, they were actually worse off than children uh, whose parents got divorced in years prior. That there was a bigger gap between them, the children of divorce, and people, children who came from intact families. Now, even having said that, that they did find that there were consistent results in this study with previous studies. And they, they, they explain, they say, in the 1990s, as in earlier decades, research indicated that children with divorced parents scored significantly lower than children with continuously married parents on a variety of measures of achievement, adjustment, and well-being. The, the next point they make is that boys and girls are affected very similarly, like I mentioned. It doesn't really matter. Uh, one exception, though, they did mention is that boys had more conduct or behavioral problems than girls, typically. Uh, but overall, you know, both suffered similar disadvantages. Uh, another point they make is that, that the sophistication of the studies didn't close the gap uh, between children with divorced parents and children with uh, parents who are continuously married. Remember, th- when they set out, they thought one of the possibilities is that studies that are more sophisticated typically show less of a gap. And the studies that were performed in the 1990s were more sophisticated than the studies that were performed in, in years prior. And so their, their assumption was that the gap between children of divorce and children of intact families would be much closer that now in the 1990s than it was in the past. To quote them directly, given the fact that studies became more methodologically sophisticated during the 1990s, and given that more methodologically sophisticated studies tend to yield relatively modest effect size, it follows that studies in the 1990s should produce smaller effect sizes than studies conducted in the earlier decades. Again, just what I said, that there would be less of a gap between children of divorce and children from intact families. They go on to say, but this was not the case. Wow. So there is still a strong difference between children who came from intact families and children who came from divorced families. So, so looking at the reasons for this, this bigger gap than in years prior, they uh, named a few things. They said one reason is basically the, the shift in the nature of marital dissolution. We already talked about that, how it's easier to get divorced these days. And so people are getting divorced, even in cases where uh, you know things aren't really intense, really bad. They're just getting divorced for other reasons. And that has more of a negative effect on the children. Another reason, of course, like I mentioned before, was the economic reason. They, they thought that really had a big impact on the children. If they came from a family where both parents were working, or you know, even if one parent was working, there were other dynamics that were really healthy and good for them. And, uh, and so those kids, because of the uh, economic prosperity of the 1990s, those kids could have pulled further, further ahead, benefiting from uh, that prosperity. Whereas the kids who came from broken homes wouldn't have benefited as much and therefore there would be a bigger gap. Another kind of shocking finding was that the, the decline for children of divorce happened regardless of certain efforts to help them. And, and the, the study says, the apparent decline in the relative well-being of children with divorced parents during the last decade, during the 1990s, this shift occurred in spite of the growth of school-based interventions for children, parenting classes for divorcing parents, and divorce mediation. Basically, they're saying it didn't really have that much of an effect. However, they, they do go on to say that this conclusion does not mean that the spread of therapeutic and legal interventions hasn't benefited the children at all. It only means that other social forces have operated even more strongly to disadvantage children from divorced families. 
And so, again, and, and not to overstate what I said before, it's possible that these programs have been good, and a lot of them have been good,、um, but the negative impacts may have ratcheted up. They might have gotten more intense. So, even if these interventions did help, which in some cases they probably did, in other cases they didn't,、um, it, it could have outweighed the, the help that people were trying to provide these children. And, and they also admit in this research some of the other limitations, which I touched on before. But basically, they said we need to get more in depth research on children of divorce. And since then, there has been, and we'll be exploring that more on this show and just throughout Restored as a whole. Now, they close the study by talking about the implications for practitioners. And by practitioners, of course, we mean counselors, therapists,、um, lawyers, judges, people who are impacting the lives of these children. So, if that's you, if you're listening right now,、um, it's really important to hear this and even to, to dive into some of this research yourself. They say, although marital disillusion has become normative in American culture, practitioners should be aware that children with divorced parents as a group. Continue to fare more poorly than children with continuously married parents. So, just restating what we already talked about. And just to again summarize, they say in particular, children with divorced parents achieve lower levels of success at school, are more poorly behaved, exhibit more behavioral and emotional problems, have lower self esteem, experience more difficulties in interpersonal relationships. Again, they reiterate that something's getting worse. Like, children of divorce are doing worse off in the 1990s than they did in prior years. I, think, I love this quote, this next quote. It's just so spot on. He says, Practitioners working with divorcing families or children with single parents, therefore, should not underestimate the extent to which family disruption continues to represent a risk factor. For a range of undesirable child outcomes. Basically, the divorce is bad for them. Don't underestimate it. This, this really is affecting them. But they say, and I want to emphasize this too, because this whole episode could probably be kind of depressing. It's intriguing for sure, but、uh, there is some hope. And, and they go on to say the adjustment of children following divorce depends on a variety of factors, including the level of conflict between parents before and after the separation. The quality of parenting from both the custodial and the non custodial parent, the one living with the children, one who's not, changes in the child's standard of living and the number of additional stressors to which children are exposed, such as moving or changing schools. And so basically, parents especially have a huge, huge role in negating some of these negative effects. And it doesn't mean that they can remove them altogether, but they can really help their children to, to cope, to heal, to grow. Uh, through this whole really messy and difficult and painful process. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be able to wipe away the negative effects of divorce. No, it's not possible. But th- they can have a big hand in helping their children.、Uh, they go on to say that knowledge of group averages, therefore, cannot predict how a particular child will adjust to family disruption. So that's what I mentioned before how these averages, they just say what's most likely to happen, but there's a lot of different variables that, that impact the individual children. They go on to say, nevertheless, The persisting and apparently increasing gap between children with divorce and continuously married parents suggests the continuing importance of developing and evaluating therapeutic and educational programs for divorcing families. We couldn't agree more. That's why Resort exists to help young people, teenagers, and young adults who come from broken homes where their parents are separated, their parents are divorced, or maybe because there is some overlap, there's just 
in a really, really ugly, messy family. Like the marriage is just a mess. And so that's why we exist. We want to be one of those resources. And really, there's almost nothing. I mean, there's resources here and there on local levels, but there's nothing like Restored. There really isn't that is trying to provide the help that we're trying to provide. And so uh, we are so pumped that this study just kind of affirms the fact that we need to exist. There needs to be more help for people who come from broken homes. And closing out, they say that closer ties between practitioners and researchers will be necessary to formulate effective strategies for minimizing the disruptive effects of marital disillusion on children. Now, why not, of course, having said all that, why don't we go to the root cause? The the study doesn't mention this, but, but we want to mention it. Why don't we prevent divorces from happening in the first place? And that's really our vision at Restored, is to reverse the cycle of divorce by helping young people heal. And the reason that's so important is this. Hurt people hurt people. Children of divorce are more likely statistically to get divorced. We, we typically just repeat what we saw in our parents' marriage. It's really sad, it's depressing, and it's scary for people like us. And so we want to prevent that. But to do that, we really need to heal. Because aside from really bad you know, vices in our life, that the thing that really holds us back from living the life that we want, from thriving, from becoming the best version of ourselves is the untreated trauma, is the untreated brokenness. And so we really need to address that so that we don't just pass it on to our kids and to our spouse and end up in a really messy, broken marriage. And so we believe that if we can help young people heal, help young people become virtuous, they're going to go on and they're going to build good, solid marriages, which we also want to help with. And from that, they'll be good parents They'll form, you know, good, solid families, and it's those families that are going to transform our culture. And so we're betting everything on that. Like that is the vision. That that's the reality that we're trying to bring about. And so thank you so much for for listening and for for being a part of this, being a part of Restored. Your support just just means the world. And so I, I hope this episode has been helpful. I hope it's been insightful, showing what the research has to say on this topic of how divorce affects the children. Uh, we're going to be bringing more content like this in the future, uh, not just focusing on the problem, but also on the solution as well. And so just thank you so much for being along for the ride. Uh, if you believe what we believe, if you believe that this message needs to get out, that more people need help like this, that the millions of children of divorce uh, shouldn't be neglected. If you want a hand in this, and I know a lot of you have reached out to us and asked, how can I help? I want to help. You've been so generous. Uh, if you want to help, a really practical thing that you can do is make a small donation. Uh, it doesn't have to be $100 or $200. It can be small. It can be $20. It can be $5. And that the monthly donations, the small monthly donations, are one way that you can support this podcast so that we can keep making content uh, for you, for people who come from broken homes, for people who love or lead them. And so that those monthly donations are huge. Uh, we're bringing on team members. We're growing. We're, we're laying out future projects. We're going to be putting out more content. If you're on our email list, uh, you, you'll be hearing more about that. But to, to grow, uh, we need money. And so if, if you believe in this, if you think that this has a lot of potential, then we need you. We need you to come alongside of us and to partner with us. It's not just giving some money and, and us doing the rest. No, it's really you becoming a partner in this mission. We need you. And so uh, if you would, if you want to donate, if you want to support the show, uh, go to restoredministry.com slash donate. Again, that's restoredministry.com slash 
donate and ministry is just singular. And on that page, um, just choose the amount that you want to donate and then the frequency. And you can make a one-time gift or you can make a monthly gift. And like I said, the monthly gifts are hugely helpful for us uh, from a business standpoint because we need to know how much revenue, how much money we're bringing in each month so we know how many people we can hire, you know, what sort of projects we can do. And so if you would do a monthly donation, that would be fantastic. Again, it doesn't have to be $100 a month. It can be uh, $20 a month if you can do that, but it can even be $5 a month if that's all you can offer. And so we're super grateful for whatever you can do. Those donations make this work possible. And again, we'll be coming out with more info Uh, about how you can support Restored as well. But if you would donate today, we'd be so grateful and it would help us reach more people who come from broken homes. Again, you could donate at restoredministry.com slash donate. And we'll put the link in the show notes too if you want to just click on that to donate. The resources mentioned are in the show notes at restoredministry.com slash 33. Again, restoredministry.com slash 33. Thank you so much for listening. If this has been helpful for you, please subscribe, share this with someone that that you know who could use it. And guys, thank you. Thank you so much for, again, your support and for being here, listening, uh, sharing feedback on how helpful this has been for you. We really appreciate it. And always remember, you are not alone. We're here to help you feel whole again and become the person that you were born to be.